Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, everybody. How y'all doing? Welcome to the show. We got a great show planned for you. We're going to be talking about why intimacy waxes and wanes in all of our different attachments and relationships. We're going to be kind of using the uh, romantic relational world is our entry point but again these skills apply to everyone we're all in multiple relationships at all times whether it's social familial work relational sexual romantic um it's good stuff but as always the uh, dms are open on our love line ig page so if you got a question for us drop it in there or you got a topic you want us to cover or circle back and cover deeply kind of have us hit it again let us know always happy to hear from you um All right, so let's just drop right in. Listen, one of the most important things that we can really understand is that relationships are mirrors. They're held up and they show us where our work is. We've talked a lot about triggers and how when we're in a relationship, the two most transformative relationships we can really be in are probably romantic and also parental. Why? Well, they trigger the most in us. (laughs) They bring all of our stuff forward, our insecurities, our anxieties, our defenses, what capacities we have, our levels of resilience, any traumas we've had. And when we then step even more so into the romantic, it's about our body esteem, our sexual self-esteem, intimacy, tolerance, uh, levels of communication, our work on boundaries. It's all in there. That's why I like uh, working as a relational and sex therapist. I think it's the most powerful way to enter into someone's psyche. I think there's a deficit when we're not able to do that kind of work. Um, So all that to say that we want to use our relationships as sites for transformation. How can we learn about ourselves? Again, in our consumerist culture, we're always obsessed with what's in it for me and what am I getting out of this? But we really need to be more self-reflective knowing that again, these relationships are where transformation can take place. Now, what's really necessary though is what we call affect and that basically waters down to in the most simple form, emotion. We are very defended against emotion. Um, Comes up a lot when people say things like, well, how do I break up with someone? That's a fear of just being honest. That's an inability to just be bold and to step into emotion or anxiety and to say to someone else, knowing you might let them down, hey, it's been great getting to know you, but I'm not interested in moving forward. Our, you know, the high level of ghosting and our inability to just really be vulnerable with others and to let them know we like them and have a crush on them, right? That struggle to ask someone out. How do I ask someone out? It's really usually a question of how do I maintain my defenses and not be vulnerable or made to feel insecure and still ask someone out. When someone says, how do I break up with someone without hurting their feelings or what's the best way to break up with someone? Again, the translation usually really is, how do I maintain my defenses and not have to be vulnerable and made to feel anything emotionally or have to deal with someone else feeling something emotionally? What's the quick, easy way I can really then communicate that? It's all a fear of emotion. It's all fear of vulnerability. That is a fear of emotion. Fear of closeness is a fear of emotion. A fear of commitment is a fear of emotion. We don't trust theirs. We don't trust ours. We don't believe that we will work through and be honest. There's so much emotional dishonesty. And that's why clients are always showing me text messages saying, what do you think this means? Because they're afraid of saying vulnerably, hi, I don't know if you asked me out on a date. Hi, I don't know if we're still dating. And if you're interested, hi, you hurt my feelings. Can we talk about it? We don't trust our emotions. We don't trust other people's ability to deal with our emotions or even theirs. We don't trust that people will be honest and vulnerable. That is what a lot of psychopathology is. Defense is an inability to be with emotion. 
That's what it re- a lot of it comes down to. And that's what a lot of relational issues are about. Instead of sharing, dealing with our primary basic emotion, you disappointed me, you let me down, you made me lonely, you scared me. We go into our secondary emotions and we act out and we get angry and we ignore them. It's a mess. It's a mess. And so relationships are where we get to learn how to heal that. I see that need with everyone I work with. They need that emotional healing, that relational healing. So that's the number one thing when we talk about, again, our main topic for the night, which is why do people stop building intimacy, whether it's sexual, romantic, or whatnot? And the first one, bum, 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 the main piece is that we're just really afraid of our emotions. And we have to get better about that. So that's kind of the call to action. Ask yourself, can I start to take that risk with myself first of letting myself feel anxious, but doing something anyway? That's why I love the moment when someone maybe has to break up with someone. That is a powerful moment we can practice this. And as I say to everyone, healthy sex and healthy dating is being responsive and accountable to what you've created or started. And even if you're not dating someone seriously, there is still a responsibility if someone reaches out to tie off that loose end and to let them know what's going on. So start there. You're given a lot of opportunities to practice letting down these defenses and really connecting to yourself, which means connecting to your emotions and really expressing them, which means really connecting to another person. A lot of people talk in sound bites or mantras or they're really safe and protected. If you're not sharing emotional words and for us to really know that we're doing the work, we have to feel a shift in our body, which means we were made a little anxious. It was a little too vulnerable. That's how you know you're doing the work. Make sure you're doing that work. Even if you're not ready to do it, at least acknowledge when you are being defensive, which means not being emotionally honest. Defensive doesn't always mean that you're pushing back or you're not you know, really sitting in what someone's saying to you. Defensiveness really means I'm not connecting to my feelings or expressing them. We're going to come back and keep talking about this. This is really vital stuff. So we're going to take a break. Stick around and join us, y'all. We'll be back. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Alrighty, y'all, we're back. And um, excuse me, we're talking mainly about why intimacy decreases in relationships. But more importantly than that, we're talking about emotions. I think that's where all of our work is. Uh, A lot of us, you know, again, our ability to deal with our own emotions, the emotions of others begins in early environments. It's called attachment theory. So it goes as back as far as this. Uh, When we cry, did someone come and soothe us? If so, we will internalize the idea that our emotions are safe to express and that someone will come and soothe us and we will start to seek others to soothe us and we'll feel soothed by them. And that's the work that we have as an adult. We need to be connected to our emotions and take them to other people. Emotions are transformed and healed in the presence of another. We need the presence of an available other to heal and process our emotions. We are not meant to go off on our own with them. And therapy becomes a proxy for that when you don't have safe, secure others to bring your emotions to. You first learn how to connect to them with yourself in the process of therapy, and then you learn how to take them out into the world. And that's why we talk in parenting, don't let your your child cry themselves to sleep. That's actually traumatizing. And you're training them to believe people won't come help me get my emotional needs met. 
And that's when people have insecure attachment styles. They are anxiously attached or avoidantly attached. We need caregivers as children and as adults that are present and available and responsive to our emotional needs. So a lot of adults are working on healing that. But then when they get into relationships with other adults that don't have that capacity, we get nowhere. And that's why you want to try to date secure, attached people, people that are consistent, reliable, available, and responsive. That is what you need to try to be to your child and your partner. And that's also the kind of partner you want to find consistent, reliable, available, and responsive to our needs and emotions, period, end of story. That's what we're looking for. And that's what we're trying to create. And that's where I would say our relational lives as adults is a site to be working on healing. And that's why we have to be looking at ourselves. We get so obsessed with what the other people are doing or providing, but start with just connecting to yourself. So as I said before the break, really take the next day, take today and track where you withhold your true emotional experience and, and who you feel safe going to. How many people do you have in your life that you feel like you can really vulnerably share emotions with? All feelings are valid. I want us to be able to let our defenses down. And if you don't feel like you have anyone to do that with, you can't do that safely. That's when it's time for therapy. That's what a healthy therapeutic environment is about. They'll build the safety with you first, and then they'll help you feel safe exploring and stepping into those emotions. But without the ability to share those in a relationship, we don't really have trust or a true commitment. And again, I love my favorite example of we see couples later in life or at any point in their relationship eating in silence at a restaurant. Now, yes, there are healthy levels of comfort where they don't feel the need to fill every space with chatter. But then there's the ones where it's uncomfortable and awkward because neither one of them feels safe really expressing anything. And so their silence is a defense mechanism. Our bodies are in proximity to each other because we're sitting here and that to them feels like we have a good relationship. We're monogamous, we're dating, we're boyfriend and girlfriend, we're married. And But none of that matters. What matters is the emotional experience of the relationship. That's where true commitment and relationship is shown. Are you able to share things that make you vulnerable with each other? And those quiet couples that eat in silence aren't able to do that. For one or other, either of them, it's it's been shown that it is not safe for us to share what we're thinking and what we're feeling. And so we quiet ourselves down and then we start to feel distance, even though our bodies are near each other, maybe all day long and sleeping next to each other. Those things don't matter. So really think about that. Like what kind of emotions will you express? Who you express them to? In what ways do you as a friend, as a parent, as a partner, are you not holding safe space for your partner to share emotions with you? Because remember, everyone's feelings are valid. No one's the perpetrator. No one's the victim in healthy relationships. We are both co-creating safety or a lack thereof. And if you're dysregulated and overwhelmed, you need to figure out what that's about. And we also need to always pay attention to the impact our process is having on this other. And that's where intimacy starts to drop. Before we even look at like why people aren't having sex anymore, which is often born out of our relationship isn't safe to bring in that kind of vulnerability. And so we have sex maybe in ways that aren't worth wanting or aren't worth having. And it starts to get boring because we have to be in a safe relationship to even consider stepping into sexual authenticity or exploration. Um, so that's why it's such a core piece, but it's work that we all have to do. Look, I'm not, I'm, I'm far better off than most of us because I do my work. I've been in a lot of therapy. I study therapy. I do my work, but I can only hope for you. And I hope for myself, which is I'm not perfect and I never will be. And every now and then I shock myself with my own humanity by seeing my own limits and my shadow side and where my work is still. But I want for you what I hold myself accountable to that. I just do better and I catch things sooner and they have less severity and I repair it quicker and I repair it better. It's all I want. It's a practice. It's always ongoing. But that's why I love utilizing all the different relationships we're a part of as ways and moments to really practice and work on this because it's work that needs to be done. Um, but track it first, maybe even before you practice trying to risk letting down your defenses and really being known by those you're in relationships with. Start at least acknowledging when and where you don't do that. Start acknowledging when you are really defensive, meaning you throw a wall up and you don't share what you're thinking or feeling. Now, I am not talking about this reality TV show based pop psychology idea of like telling it like it is or putting people in their place. That is not healthy emotional expression. That is actually the opposite. That's dysregulation that floods people. It's rooted in a lot of violence and chaos. Healthy people express lovingly once they've digested and worked through it so that the other person can safely hear it. 
we do want to not say what's on our mind often. We do want to keep things to ourselves often. We don't always want to be honest or tell it like it is. That's the opposite of being a healthy adult. That's actually childlike behavior. That's impulsivity. That's a lack of boundaries. That's a lack of empathy. Those people are unsafe. So if that's you, you're unsafe. If that's the people you're around a lot, they're unsafe. That matters. Like I keep saying, we can only do this work within safe relationships. That's the key word. So really start by asking yourself that, am I in the kind of relationships where I should and can practice this? Am I holding safe space for my children to be emotional with me? Am I being emotional with them? It's a feedback loop. All right, we're gonna take a little break and come back. Then we're gonna slide into those DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Otherwise, stick around, more to come. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, y'all, we're back. And tonight we're talking about why relationships lose intimacy. But we're really also talking about emotional health and emotional functioning. And we're talking about how in our early environments, we develop what we call an internal working model. And it's this internalization of experiences we've had with our early caregivers, where we've been shown whether or not people will come and help us when we have emotional needs, or whether or not we have to deny our emotions or disconnect from them. Uh, have anxiety around having feelings or shame around it because our, our caregivers don't care. They're not responsive. They're not available. They let us cry ourselves to sleep. If we have a temper tantrum, they walk away and leave us alone. All these things are abandoning. And that's a lot of pop culture parenting. Don't leave your child alone when they're having a tantrum. Sit with them. Be present. Help co-regulate. Dear God, let them know your feelings are safe with me and other people. People will be there to help you. Don't let your child cry themselves to sleep. That's traumatic. They didn't sue themselves. They gave up. They gave up on the idea that someone's going to be there to help me. Children are not meant to be able to regulate themselves. Their little brains need you to install that in them. And you do that by being there, period. They don't naturally learn that. What they naturally learn to do is to stop taking their emotions to others and to disconnect from their emotions. That is not a good thing. So you need to stand by and with them. And that's the same thing we need to do as adults. Sit with people in their feelings. Don't abandon them. They will stop turning to you. They will be not only disconnected from you, they will be disconnected from themselves. Our emotions, our affect as we call it, which is both the emotions and the experience of those emotions in our bodies are important for us to be connected to. Our emotions tell us who we are and what we need and how we feel. They're an appraisal system. And we bring them to others. And that's how relationship is connected when we share emotions. So we have to create safe space for those emotions to be shared and discussed. That is the cornerstone of trust and relationality. And if you are not safe to go to, or you're not connected to your own emotions, that's how intimacy initially is either never formed or starts to decrease or we drift from it. And that impacts every area of our lives. So start with that first off. Now, what are some of the other reasons as to why intimacy drops? Well, because in a relationship that's romantic, sometimes we become just parents or business partners. We are more focused on maintaining the lifestyle that we have or focus just on the children or business partners as in just getting the bills paid and things done. That's all structural. What matters in a relationship and intimacy is the experience of each other while we're doing those things. So while we're parenting, while we're running our household, while we're maintaining our social identity or whatever it is, how are you relating to each other? Is there that, is emotion there? Is that emotional sharing present? Is that available? That's meaningful. You don't want your relationship just to be business, just to always be about the kids, only about money. How would affection, sensuality, or eroticism ever emerge out of something like that? How would we ever feel known or know the other if that's all it's about? So take note of that. Is your relationship only about business, news, and weather? Or do you drop down into, this is what I was thinking today. This is what I experienced today. This is how I was feeling today. Again, ask yourself if you're really defending against dropping down into those deeper, more important parts of ourselves. Um, because those are the structural pieces. Another interesting point is this whole concept of energy and exhaustion. That is massive. And a lot of people aren't aware that a lot of their problems relationally, mental health-wise, even erotically in their relationship, is born out of being exhausted and tired. 
Now the companion to that, there's exhaustion and there's stress, two separate things. Both of them will kill both sex drive. Both of them will kill our mood. Both of them will kill our emotional presence or availability to ourselves and others. Are you exhausted? It's also why people say it's really hard late at night to have boundaries around certain things because we don't have the energy to be our best. And so stress and exhaustion are things we have to look at. We talk a lot about that in terms of physical health and also mental health, but that's also something that's going to negatively impact a relationship. What's it like to be with ourselves when we're exhausted or stressed? How are we able to be present with another? How are we able to be present with whatever they might want to share or be available to connect or to be connected to if we are burnt out and tired? That's why we start losing our temper. That's why we might start saying and doing things we don't really mean or stand behind to someone we care about because it requires energy to hold ourselves accountable to our better, higher self. It requires energy to have boundaries. It requires energy to be thoughtful and kind. And so you have to make a choice sometimes. What means more to you? Your money, your job, your fitness schedule, or your relationships? You cannot always do both. Or you can't always do both to the way you're trying to do them. If your relationships are struggling, it might be because you're putting your energy into work or your fitness routine or your hobbies, or those things are too stressful. And your relationships are suffering. And I tell clients, you cannot do both. Yes, you might need to change your job. Yes, you might need to work less hours. Yes, you might need to make less money so you have lower levels of stress so you can be a better parent or better partner. Relationships got to come first, y'all. And a lot of those people will leave you. Your children will start drifting away and your partner might because they're like, there's nothing here. There's nothing to be present for. This is an empty relationship. All right, we're going to come back, take a little break do the DMs and then we'll come back and we'll keep talking about how to work with emotions and why intimacy starts to drop. So uh, DMs, if you've got a DM for us, drop it in the Loveline IG page and past episodes of Loveline are over at wearechannelq.com. We'll be back, y'all. Stick around. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. All right, we are back and now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Oh, this one's a good one. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris. So my boyfriend and I, we moved in together during quarantine, very much at the beginning. Famous last words sometimes. Initially, everything was awesome, felt comfortable, went great. But then about a month or so ago, everything started to feel different. Well, it's been a journey, y'all. We've been encountering facing a lot of things that we hadn't had to encounter or face in the past. And our relationships might not have been able to be as resilient and durable as we thought. Uh, We decided that he should move back to his parents. Definitely still want a relationship. Definitely still love each other. But maybe all this stress isn't great for either of us. I feel like if we ever try to live together, maybe the same thing will happen. Should we just call it quits? Wow. Here's the thing. We never know. Uh, relationships change just like we do. And the health, our mental health, just like our relational health is impacted by everything going on around us. Illness, our jobs, you know, other relational stuff, what's going on in the world. And so just because it felt and operated one way at one time doesn't mean that's how it will always be. And we see that over the course of a relationals, uh, the, over the course of a relationship's arc and legacy, We expect it to be punctuated with moments of difficulty. Those difficult moments and how we as individuals and as a couple deal and show up to them really speaks to our level of commitment. And I'm not saying that we hang in there and hang in there through through everything. Commitment actually should be conditional. It should be there based on us both showing up as healthy individuals and caring for each other. And if and when we don't, then we should not be committing because there is no relationship at that point to commit to. So let me say that one more time. Commitment is conditional, but it should be only based on, are we both showing up and creating something healthy and being healthy for each other? And if not, we shouldn't be committing because what are we doing then? What are we prioritizing? Just this concept of commitment at all costs? No, the people in that commitment matter more. And the commitment we make in a relationship is I'm here as long as there's love and care. And when there's not, I should exit. And, and I want people to. We shouldn't stand there at the altar and promise forever. We should say we're here as long as this is healthy for both of us and we both do our part, which is why I think some unmarried couples have it right. They're like, look, I can go and I need to go and I'll stay as long as we both prioritize and make this th- you know, work. And that's how it should always be. But we sometimes get, you know, have kids, get married, get a house, and then we're trapped because it's harder to get out and we ride it out when we shouldn't be. So be more honest. Hey, honey, I commit to you as long as you commit to me. But when we both stop committing to each other and we put other things first, well, we should sit down and talk about that. 
because relationships aren't this thing that exists over there on autopilot. It's something we're actively always participating and contributing to. So all that to say, what worked at one time might not work at another time. But as long as we are both showing up and doing our part, we hang in there. We, we maintain commitment through tough times. We don't maintain commitment through toxic times. And so as long as you're both being loving partners, all should be well and we should hang in there because that's when we show trust, what we do in difficult times. The good times don't matter. Trust is built casually in those times, but when it's easy, it's easy. Enjoy that. But when it's hard, that's when we really show our partner, yeah, we're going to be there. We're going to be there through tough times as witnessed and evidenced by me doing it right now. So move, live separately. That was a really rough go. And when the world is different and feeling more confident and comfortable, come back together and try it again because that will be a different experience. The stressors are different, assuming that they all get resolved in the time apart right? So really just try to talk out what was it that didn't work about us living together and what impact might everything that was going on during this difficult time that might be resolved or not, but give it a shot, right? There was something that brought you two together that felt meaningful. And so operate from that because I, you're not, you're not sharing any deal breakers, red flags, maybe, but red flags are things we stick around and, and, and get more information about and see if they move into deal breakers. Uh, but they're not necessarily deal breakers. And I think we get those two things very, very, very confused. All right. Uh, we're going to take a little break and then we're going to talk about sex. That's what we do here on Loveline. And then we'll be uh, back in those DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page and past episodes of Loveline over at wearechannelq.com. Just scroll on down, look for the name of the show, click on it. All the past episodes are there. You can binge, post, share, re-listen. But uh, drive us a question. Anything you want answered, topics you want covered. Always, always, always happy to hear from y'all. But we're going to come back and talk about pleasure because we need to center pleasure in our lives. I think we over-center exhaustion <laughs> and overworking. Um, all right, we'll stick around. We'll talk about you listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back, y'all. Oh, Rachel, we are back and uh, talking about intimacy, why it drops, but also looking at the role emotions play and just kind of talking about how our ability to be present with ourselves emotionally helps us be present with others emotionally. And that's really the basis of trust and relationality. Without that, we're just two bodies that are always around each other. Proximity is not intimacy. Just because your body's near them on the couch, in the house and in bed doesn't mean you have intimacy. It doesn't mean you have trust. and absolutely means you do not have a relationship. A relationship is a verb and it's built on our engagement with each other and the feelings we share and the feelings we generate. That That's the relationship. It's this vague thing, but we are so materialistic and consumerist that we think about it in terms of the physicality. What do we have? You know what I mean? We think about it in terms of just you being there and us being there, but it's like what's happening when we're near each other that matters the most. We're talking a lot about how stress and exhaustion really work against our ability to be available emotionally, to appropriately deal with our emotions, and then also to even be present and deal with the emotions of the other. But that is what creates intimacy. That is intimacy, the sharing of those deep, difficult emotions, sharing what we feel guilty about or shameful about, sharing our, when we feel lonely, sharing when we feel sad. Also, though, sharing when we're happy, sharing our joy. I had a big event happen and I thought, oh, I want to post this on social media. I want to be a part of celebrating my successes and I want people that are, you know, supporters of mine to also be able to celebrate. And I want to normalize celebration. I, you know, we have so much shame and guilt. And yes, there's this concept of bragging, but there's also this concept of just appropriate celebration of our successes. We should be able to post on our social media, I got a raise, I'm excited. I'm proud of myself for dot, dot, dot. Look at what just happened to me in my career. I want us to be able to celebrate our successes as much as I want us to be able to um, connect around and share our struggles and our shadow side and our weaknesses. But we often try to live in the middle. We don't want to come off incompetent or broken or too weak. But then we also aren't, you know, we also have some shame around celebrating our successes and achievements. And so we just live in this boring gray area middle. Let's not do that anymore. You know, we don't have to be gross, but let's, let's, let's really share our best. Let's share our celebrations. Let's share what we're proud of. Let's share our achievements. All that to say, part of why intimacy you know, drifts is because we're not sharing parts of ourselves anymore. But let's also look at how we're feeling about our bodies. When we talk a lot about sexual intimacy, we're, you know, gotta think in terms of like a potluck or a gift. If you feel good about that, which you're delivering, providing, or bringing to someone else, you, you're proud, you stand behind it. 
But if you're not, you kind of hide it. You're, you know, you cower. And that's how we are with our bodies around intimacy and sex. We have to feel good about that, which we are giving to this other and what we're presenting to them. It's a very vulnerable moment. And I'm not talking about weight loss and, 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 and meeting, you know, the, the standards of toxic looksism and toxic gym culture. I'm not saying go lose weight and go to the gym to be able to feel good doing that because that actually can sometimes work against us. It keeps us trapped in thinking we need to have that kind of body in order to have confidence and to feel desired. And then we we're afraid of losing that. The work is about not really caring what we look like and still being able to feel good about what we're providing because pleasure is really born out of the experience and presence of two people. The aesthetic of our bodies really disappears into the backdrop once we're really in the pleasure giving and receiving. And when we think about what is required to give and receive pleasure, that's always available. And then we have this concept of erotic empathy, which means even if we don't feel good about ourselves, if our partner feels good about us, we don't take that away from them or diminish them. We allow them to still celebrate us fully. And maybe we even try to internalize some of the ways they see us. Their desire for us is something we can pull in and to start to feel desire for ourselves based on harnessing the desire they have for us. It's a very complicated thing to work through. It's a very clunky, but don't take away some desire that someone has for you, right? Don't, don't, don't eclipse that with your shame and also try to be a part of the desire they have for you. Um, if we're going to talk more specifically about sex, we also want to make sure if we're talking about the decrease of sexual intimacy, because tonight our broader topic is how intimacy ceases to be within relationships. And there's a sexual component of that. And my favorite headline around that is make sure the sex is worth having. If the sex isn't that great and it's very protected and defended against or boring, well, understandably, sexual intimacy is not really going to be a priority for that couple because we have to want what it is we're moving towards or we're not going to move towards it. I'm not going to be excited to go see movies I don't enjoy. I'm not going to be excited to go out on dates if all the restaurants we go to are ones that aren't fun and I find them boring or it's not worth wanting or the food isn't good. You know, sex is the same way. You want to have sex with me. I have to feel good about the sex that we're going to have. That will increase some motivation. There's a lot more to it than that, but we're talking about the intimacy piece. Um, that's a big piece. So just make sure the sex that you have is worth having. Um, all right, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back and keep talking about this. Uh, DMs. We will be closing out the show with those DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Whatever you're wondering about, bam, drop your question in there. You'll be helping someone else out as we help you out. Also, if you've got a topic you want us to cover or one you want us to circle back and drop deeper into, as always, let us know. And uh, past episodes of Loveline over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for the name of the show, click on it, bam. Binge, post, share, we listen. They're all there. Tons of gems. It's all about repetition to really internalize that stuff. So stick around. We'll be back talking about intimacy. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, y'all. We are back and uh, we are talking about intimacy. Why it drifts. We really started the show in a beautiful way talking about emotions and how they're truly, truly the crux. You know, they're the center point of intimacy and the continuation of intimacy, especially into longer term relationships is completely dependent upon the willingness to step into our anxiety, which is where vulnerability lives. We know we're being vulnerable and there's a little anxiety tied to it. Not so much that we're flooded or overwhelmed, but we need to have a little anxiety. That's how we know we're really stepping into that intimacy and that we're sharing our emotions. If you're no longer sharing your emotions and that, and that anxiety, your relationship has stopped. You might be proximate to them. Your bodies might be around each other a lot, but relationality is really rooted in the sharing of emotion and the presence in that co-creation of that feedback loop. So make sure you're continually leaning into that. And sadly, some people are really bad on either end. They're good in the gray area, but they're really bad at really praising and complimenting. That's a massive thing. We don't want to just get really good at the critique and the complaints and the criticisms. I want to focus on celebration. If, and if you're not willing to celebrate your partner and to express gratitude, start there. Why is that? What's that about? Too vulnerable 
or is it time to leave your relationship because it's toxic and there isn't anything beneficial or it's not worthy of that. But either way, the work is about expressing gratitude and celebration. Compliment as much as you can. Don't be one of those couples that gets familiar just talking poorly or being neutral. Start to build in compliments and praise and celebration every day. In fact, for every criticism, you better back that up with three compliments. Maybe not immediately, but like in that sphere. And then also we have to get good at sharing what we're uncomfortable or unhappy about. I don't mean criticize, I don't mean complain. I mean from a vulnerable relational space where your tone is the way I'm talking right now and it's making you a little anxious and you say, hey, listen, we need to talk. I need to vulnerably share with you some things that aren't working for me as a way to build intimacy and to create a healthy relationship. And then you disclose what's not working. And it becomes a collaborative, cooperative discussion as to how we can get us to where we want to be. Because in a healthy relationship, it's mutual. If your partner has a problem, it's your problem as well. We're in this together. We're in the same boat together. And what you do while we're in that boat determines my safety in this boat. If you're standing up, I'm not safe. And you need to pay attention to me being in this boat. Someone gave me an awesome example. They said, a sign of someone being a good driver is the comfort of the passenger in the car with them. And that's a great metaphor for relationships. The signs of a good, healthy individual is based on the mental health or the comfort of their partner. You have to use that metaphor in the right way. That can definitely be misused, what I'm saying, but I think there's something really powerful in that. So ask yourself that. Think about your partner's happiness and their mental health. Well, you're, you're a part of that. You co- help co-create that. Happiness is not an inside job, y'all. That's such a lie. It's a co-created thing. We are impacted by those we're around and in relationships with. Inner subjectivity, mirror neurons, social contagion, attachment theory, interpersonal neurobiology. We wire our brains and our nervous systems to the people we are in primary relationships with. It is not an inside job, self-esteem or mental health or happiness. It's a relational job. It's a social field. And it's impacted by those we're around. It's a feedback loop. So we can help make our mental health or life or relationship better by impacting positively those that we're relating to. And it becomes a feedback loop. It's a system. Know that. Think relationally. That is part of why intimacy decreases because we step outside of that and we start worrying only about ourselves. And we go on this journey of happiness being an inside job and I'm gonna detach from my relationship and take myself out there on this solo journey to find happiness. It doesn't really work like that. Come back. I'm not saying you can't have alone time or solitude or autonomy. We absolutely need that. But we don't need to detach. We can still be present while also doing that journey because in, when we're in a relationship, we have a responsibility to this other. They're in our care. And we can't just say, sorry, I'm gonna let that ball drop for a minute. I gotta just do me. No, you gotta do both. It's like being a parent. You can't say to your kids, hey, little Billy and Christina, I know you're only three and four, but I gotta do me. I'm gonna ask y'all to just do your thing for a while. No, you gotta do both. You wanna go to school, you gotta go to school while being a parent. Well, same thing when we're in a partner in an adult relationship. You wanna go back to school, take a new job or move or travel, you gotta still account for this other person who you're in an attached relationship with. We don't always take that seriously. We need to. So focus on that. (laughs) I think there's this idea that like it's one or the other. And I think that's also born out of some of the ways we toxically run monogamy in our relationship. And we are either so fused and have anxiety and get shamed for separating out, but we want to live in that happy medium. That's a really important part of this, that happy medium. What is that happy medium? It's both pair bonding, but also having autonomy. It's both coupledom, but also having solitude. And we hold both, and we're always within both. While you're out with your solitude time, you're still aware that you have a partner, and they know where you are, they know when you'll be back. And I don't mean that in a controlling, policing, abusive way. You know, I just mean in terms of, hey, babe, Saturday, I'm going to take the day to myself. I'm going to go downtown, you know, see a friend, art shopping, hit you up when I'm back. Great. Have a great time, your partner says. I'll see you when you get back. That's what I mean. I don't mean they're, who are you going with? No, you can't. Or they punish you when you get home. Or they want you to send photos to prove where you are. I'm not talking about that. That is toxic monogamy that's actually emotionally abusive. And we should leave such a partner. But we do need to hold both. And that's the problem is we often struggle and we little we tend to skew more one way or the other. But intimacy requires both. We do need to have a sense of self alone out in the world. People can symbolically be single for the day. They withhold their monogamy boundaries or whatever the boundaries are, but they just live in the world as a solo unit, just experiencing things alone. I love doing that at coffee shops or hiking by myself to just be with myself, my own feelings, my own thoughts. 
And it's nice to sometimes not have to accommodate or care for another just temporarily, you know? All right, we're gonna take a little break and come back and then we're gonna slide into those DMs. So as always, got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. And uh, past episodes of Loveline, got to check out all that stuff uh, over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline, click on it. Bam, there they all are. You can binge, post, share, re-listen. Um, yep, check it out. It's gems. It's that practice. You got to build that stuff in. Repetition really helps us kind of internalize some of the ways we want to be and the ways we want to think. So definitely go back and listen. All right, y'all, we're going to take a little break, though. You are listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, y'all, we are back and uh, we're talking about why intimacy decreases, why intimacy drifts. Also talking about emotions. One of the most important parts of intimacy building is the ability to be connected to our emotions and to be in relationships with people that it is safe to share those and they share theirs with ours. That's how we really bond to build intimacy, dropping into that. It's not just about time together. It's about what's happening when we're together. You see people together in silence all the time. No intimacy is being built. It doesn't mean that there always has to be chatter but there needs to be a dropping into that depth. And we know we're really building intimacy when it makes us a little anxious and we also feel a shift in our body and the expression. There needs to be that bodily shift. Uh, but what are the other reasons why? We talked a little bit about how we feel about our bodies. We talked about exhaustion and stress and the impact that has. We talked about we don't want to become just business partners or companions only with our partners. Um, what else do we need to think about? Well, we need to think about infidelities. Oh, I know, the relationships we have with others. Are we creating relationships with others that are making our partner feel threatened? What's that about? Does our partner need to grow up and understand healthy adult relationships and not try to toxically police us? because they just have jealousy in their past and they need to work through it? Or are we doing things that understandably spike anxiety in their partner because we're not holding our agreement and the boundaries we've committed to? We have to look at it from both sides. Are your friends friends of the relationship? Meaning, are your friends supportive of your partner? Or are you friends with people that are always undermining your partner? Are you, do you have appropriate boundaries with the other people in your life? Don't, don't call your partner crazy and gaslight them if you are doing things that they are understandably and appropriately responding to, that is abuse. So if they're calling you out and they're correct, own that and change that. If they're calling you out and they're not correct, you have to lovingly hand that back to them and say, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm confident and I'm living in my integrity. I understand that you are triggered from things in your past. Help me understand how I can help you. Now, the answer can't be that you can't have friends. The answer can't be that you can't have safe relationships with exes if things are appropriate. But the answer might be about being more transparent about where you're going at times or maybe offering more touch and presence when you're with them. You have to come up with a reasonable. I think this is actually a really honest one as well. I was looking at some research on this. Sometimes intimacy drops because of things like bad hygiene. Yeah, your breath smells, you don't shower enough, you have BO. We don't always feel confident saying to our partner, hey, you need to work on that. But you know what, we need to be able to do that. That's part of sharing emotions. You know, letting them know, hey, it would mean a lot to me if you sometimes paid more attention to your breath or, you know, I notice you don't always brush your teeth, you know, with making out that would make me feel more comfortable or, hey, babe, I want to cuddle or fool around. Could you go take a shower or, hey, babe, I want to cuddle, but a little stinky. Can you put on deodorant? We need to be able to hear that and we need to be able to say that. That's an important part of arousal and intimacy is actually being able to be near them and near their body and having closeness. I've had to do it and I've had it said to me. I'm not always a fan of wearing deodorant. So yes, I've been told by my partner, yo babe, put on some deodorant, you stink. And I laugh and I go do it. It's not that deep. I don't need to personalize that. I don't need to collapse into shame around that. And I've had to say that to people. Eh, your breath's a little off. Can you chew some gum or go brush? I wanted to make out. And they laugh and they do and we move on. We have to be willing to say those things to our sex and romantic and intimacy partners. We have to practice that. Be with people that can handle that. And then finally, we gotta look at anger. How do you express your anger and other emotions? How do you express disappointment? Are you safe? Again, that safety, are you safe for your partner to be around you when you're upset? Or do they drop closeness and intimacy because they don't trust you dealing with your feelings appropriately? And then we go back to how to regulate ourselves, just so crash course in that. When you're feeling something, acknowledge you're having a feeling. Don't shame it to yourself. Then name it. That brings us into our rational thinking when we put a label on it. What am I feeling right now? Then we check in on the, on the intensity of it. 
what level is this? Well, I'm acting like it's a level 10, but it's really should be like a level three or four because it ain't that deep. And then you correct it. And at that point, it should be a little more digested and safe. And then you share it with your partner in a relational way, in a way where your tone, the word choice is safe for them to hear and you let them know what you need. And then lovingly, they hear you and respond and you move on. We have to practice that. We have to let our defenses down. That's the core of relational, you know, relational work, but that's also the core of emotional regulation. <clears throat> so practice that and also be with people that are practicing that. This is the core of our mental health, our relational health, as we talk about all the time. But again, it's all about being in relationships that from the door, we're normalizing these things. And if we haven't done that, start to, baby steps. These things take practice, they take familiarity. We have to build up our tolerance of them. We all have a window of tolerance. It's always about expanding it, expanding our window of tolerance for intimacy and emotional functioning, emotional discussion, emotional sharing. Emotions are our best communicator. They tell us others and ourselves our needs. It's how we connect to people, to ourselves and to others. They're that important, but we have to share them in a safe way so that they can be heard. And why, and the way we do that is by digesting them a little bit, processing them first. Sometimes we have to go to another before we can go to an important individual. <clears throat> Sometimes we go to a friend or in a therapy to work it through and process it first. That's awesome. Sometimes we need to process it with ourselves by going for a walk, whatever you need to do. But the health of it is demonstrated in the response of the person you take it to. If they are not feeling comfortable, then it wasn't processed enough most likely. Like they're always our barometer, kind of like that car example. The competence of the driver is dis demonstrated by the comfort of the passenger. Bam, that's a big one. All right, y'all, stick around. Coming up next, those DMs, listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around, we'll be right back. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, we are back. It's time to uh, slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. DMs are brought to you by our uh, live IG page. Always open, always going, always ready to get your questions, topics you want covered. Hit us up. Let me see what we got today. Uh, dun, 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 dun. We have a whole bunch. Just trying to see what makes sense for us here. Oh, okay, let's go into this one. Dear Dr. Chris and Loveline, I've had a very difficult time orgasming recently. It's like I'm into it and it feels good, but then my mind wanders off. Can't get it together. Is this normal? Oh, I love the use of that word normal. Well, it doesn't matter if it's normal or not. It's where you are. And whether it's normal or not doesn't necessarily always make it more comfortable or make more sense to us. But um, yeah, that's, that's pretty normal. Here's the deal. Our sexuality is not this stable, static, always the same kind of thing. It's like anything else. Think of it in terms of your mood or what you might like to eat. It's gonna shift and change based on a lot of different factors. You know, how we feel when we wake up is based on what we wake up thinking about, what's going on in the world around us, what might've happened yesterday, thoughts about what we have to do tonight, tomorrow, next week, an email that might've come in. So our, our nervous system and our mood is always up and down and all around. Sex is very much tied to that. Sex is not this independent thing that is, you know, existent in a com clear compartmentalized vacuum off to the side, untouched by what's going on around us. It's quite the opposite. It's very fragile. It's a very fragile system that is easily disrupted. And there's no right way to be sexual with ourselves or others. And so if someone's saying I can't orgasm, that isn't a pathology or something's bad or wrong. That is part of the natural human response. We're going to sometimes want to travel, sometimes not, sometimes enjoy a movie, another time not enjoy it as much. It's, we, have to, we have to be open to that ebb and flow. There's so many different things that have to come together to get us to a place of interest in sexuality and also to a place where maybe we can orgasm if that happens. But we don't want to make sex only about orgasm and it's a fail or a bad thing if that doesn't happen. Uh, sex is about so many different things. And remember, in order for us to get to a place where we can even get into a state of arousal, right? We need to feel safe and comfortable. If we are stressed or anxious or fearful, we can't relax enough into sex. 
And that's why some people that are penis owners will say to me, I'm not getting erect or staying erect. And I'll say to them, tell me more about the situation. And they'll say, it's with a new partner or it's with someone I'm trying to impress or I don't feel, you know, whatever it is, I'll say, well, of course you're not able to. You're not, you're not stepping into sexuality in a very safe, comfortable, arousing dynamic and space. We need to enter it from a place of feeling calm. And I know people are like, yeah, but arousal is this amplified thing, but our system needs to feel safe and calm. And if we don't, because we don't know this person, because we think they're out of our league, because we think we have to show them something or we have to perform, you know, whatever it is, that is gonna work against you. And so we have to back off of that pressure. And that can happen even with ourselves. I really need to do this. You know, sex is only about orgasm. So I got to get there and then it's not happening. And we keep pushing and we're stressing ourselves and we're trying to force it. That is the worst thing to do. If you're not getting towards orgasm or you're not getting hard or staying hard or you're not get lubricating in the ways you want, we want to back off of that. Stop trying. Be in the moment. Do something else. Segue into something else. Just start cuddling. But forcing it, pushing it is the worst thing you can do because that's moving you into the opposite kind of mental and physical state and place you need to be in. For us to get aroused, we need the parasympathetic system to be operating, which is surprising to most people. And that's a system of feeling safe and, and grounded. And so we should only be trying to have sex with people we feel safe and grounded with. And that's why we can't, not everyone can participate in the ways they want in hookup culture because it overwhelms them. It's, it's exhausting. Uh, it stresses them out. They don't feel safe or accepted. And same thing with some people and their partners. Some people need to sadly or happily, depending on how you look at it, wait until they've really built a trust to be able to relax enough to, to orgasm. That's not a bad thing. That's your body saying, you're not going to force me to participate in something I'm not ready to participate in or to have sex with and relax into a partner that isn't safe or isn't ideal. We have to listen to our bodies. A lot of treatments and protocols are about ignoring it and just pushing through and making it happen anyway. And then it's like, but then what are you centering or prioritizing in doing that? Uh, not the partnership, not your mental health, not fun. Forcing something isn't rooted in fun. So a lot to learn in that. That was a really great question. Thank you for that. All right, y'all, that is our show. We'll be back tomorrow night. If you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Always happy to hear from you. And past episodes are always over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for the show, click on it. Bam, there they are. Thanks for hanging out, y'all. You have a beautiful rest of your night, and we'll see y'all soon. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.